service since I think March 15th. It's been about 11 weeks. It's crazy. In a way, it's, it feels like it's been forever, right? But in another way, it feels like we were just here a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm really glad to be home with you guys. It's been a long time. I've, we've really, uh, it was really a challenge to have services online only, um, and it's really, really nice to see some uh, familiar faces and to have you guys home with us. Um, it's awesome. So before I get going, I want to talk about real quickly some precautions that we're taking um, for the services. This is our second service, which I'm going to mention in just a moment. Um, in between services, we're having our hosts and greeters uh, sanitizing all, uh, the, we're having them sanitizing the auditorium, all the commons areas. We're sanitizing our kids, our nurseries, and our kids' uh, kids' rooms. And so just um, be, I know y'all don't mind because uh, y'all, are, y'all are out, and maybe this is for some people who are watching, and that's okay, but we are doing our best to make sure that this area is sanitized well. Um, but I'm really glad that we're here today because today starts the beginning of a new season. We're going to two services, and y'all know that because y'all, y'all made it to the second one. How many of y'all were glad when we pushed our service back a little bit? We got, we got some real ones out here. Yep. Love to, they love to get their Sunday morning brunch in, breakfast in. Um, I'm one of those people, but I had to get here earlier. We all had to get here about an hour earlier. Um, why, uh, why do we go to two services? Because we're expanding the kingdom. This is about expanding God's kingdom. There's a couple uh, specific reasons why we're doing this. Number one is we need more space. Uh, we're coming out of a quarantine, and just to make everyone feel a little bit better, we wanted, wanted to have two options, so we split up our congregation into two times. Also, uh, we need more room. It's two service options. Again, for some of you all that like to come in late, this is perfect. There are some people who came early who want to come to church early. That's perfect for them. And so this is just an opportunity. I don't know if you realize, but we took out a couple rows in the back, um, right behind uh, these last rows. And uh, we had to do that because we added cameras and um, added a few things. So uh, we are expanding God's kingdom. Now, the benefits do not come without a cost, though. Uh, we, and we initiated a, um, our plan of attend one, serve one. It's an initi- our serve, attend one, serve one initiative. And basically... Uh, many of y'all, how many of y'all served during the first service? Raise your hand high. Awesome. Uh, many, many people did. Isn't it awesome that you're able to sit down during service and uh, even and still serve, right? Isn't that awesome? This really helps. We have all these blue shirts up here. All of these, these uh, individuals uh, volunteered in our kids' ministries. And so typically, y'all guys would not be able to attend service every Sunday, but now you do. And I think it's... Um, it's hard because you, get, you have to spend about a little hour longer than usual on a Sunday morning, but you get to be in service. And so I think uh, this is one way that we are expanding the kingdom is having everyone attend a service. Now, let me just say, you have a role to play. Um, it takes a lot of people, and there are many ministries that need more volunteers. So if you consider Kingdom Church, your church home, we need you to serve. There are many areas we want to get enough people to where... Um, people can uh, uh, serve one Sunday and then maybe sit down a couple Sundays and then serve again. Right now, for a lot of ministries, it's uh, serve. Some people are serving every weekend. They're serving one, Sunday, one service and attending another one. But uh, for most ministries, you're serving one Sunday, sitting down one Sunday, and then serving the next Sunday. So if you consider Kingdom Church, I want to encourage you to sign up and volunteer. You can talk to me. You can talk to Kingdom Central, Guest Central. Um, you can call the church office, you can message us on Facebook, email us, find a way to get a hold of us, we will plug you in somewhere. Now, I want to say a few things to help us uh, 
some things that we need to remember going forward to help us succeed. I talked about this during our volunteer meeting. Uh, about a, it's been about three weeks ago. Uh, but first of all, commitment. If we're going to succeed in this initiative to go to two service, expand God's kingdom, we need to be committed. I want you to remember this, this phrase, my church, my responsibility. Repeat after me. My church, my, church. my, responsibility. my responsibility. My church, my, church. my responsibility. Now, this wasn't in my notes. I said this last service, but um, if people come over to your house, um, you typically care how your house looks, right? You typically you want things in order. I remember, I don't have very many people over at my house, uh, uh, particularly because there's not enough room. Um, I, li- I had a small group. Some of y'all were in my small group at my house. It's a, it, my living room is really small. It's a, uh, it's a small house, perfect for me and my roommate, but there's really not a whole lot more room for people. And so, I really ha- rarely have people over, and I thought, oh, I don't, I, I'm clean, right? So I don't want you to get wrong. I'm clean. I clean. I like to have dishes washed, bed made, all that. But um, if, if I have books laying around or I have whatever laying around, I don't really care until what? Somebody comes over. And I'm like, okay, I got to get this in order. I'm like, man, I really do care. I, <laughs> I thought I didn't care until I had a few people come over. And so um, it, why? Because it's my house. Therefore, it's my responsibility. Guys, this is your church. This is your house. Therefore, it's your responsibility. The more people we'll have, the more people we'll be able to place in these positions to expand God's kingdom. Is that, is that pretty clear? 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Verse 26, if one member suffers, one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members one of another. So we need commitment. Second of all, we need patience. This is a big transition. Elsa and Angie worked tirelessly this past week getting all the schedules together. They literally worked every, they literally worked every day um, and it, through extended office hours. And so there, there was a lot of work that went into this. Um, but there is going to be some hurdles. There are going to be some growing pains. So I want to encourage you to be patient if you're serving and things are not turning out the way that it was said they were turning out, please be patient. We will get through this. Um, we have never done two services before, and so just be patient. Uh, flexibility, number three, we need to be flexible. So if you're serving in an area that you don't want to serve in, um, please just, just take it take it in its stride. Uh, we will find places for everyone where they are best fitted, where you're best called to. Uh, but we need people to be flexible. And again, this is with the growing pains. Also, social responsibility. Now, how many of y'all got a hug? You got a handshake this morning, and uh, you liked it. Okay. How many of y'all didn't like it? Just kidding. don't raise your hand. I'm just um, not everyone is going to feel the same coming back or coming out of a quarantine. So please keep in mind that if uh, not everyone may be a hugger right away. To shake your hand, that's okay. Some people may come in with masks. That's okay. We haven't had anybody. Um, but just keep that in mind. And then lastly, courage. Part of our culture is everyone serves. We have to be courageous and believe that God has given us a gift, given us a talent for the body of Christ. Why do we believe this? You can throw this on here. The reason everyone serves is this, because everyone is part of the body and every body part has a function. Isn't that true? What happens when you, when you jam your toe? or you jam your fingers, or something else happens. The whole body suffers. Every body part has a function. That's why everyone serves. Is that pretty clear? That's to keep talking about that. If you go to kingdom, I want to encourage you to serve. 
if, if there's not a ministry um, where you excel at, we'll see about creating a ministry where you excel. Uh, we believe there's a place for everybody. You have a role to play. I didn't mention this, but how many of y'all saw our sign, our vision? No Jesus, here is voice of Paul. Isn't that awesome? That's our vision. Just in case you didn't know, that's just not a saying. This is what we're about. I didn't explain this during the first service, so hopefully they're watching um, because they were in. Our vision is for everyone to have a relationship with Jesus, begin to hear his voice. How many of y'all know that you can hear God speaking to you? You can. It's not, you don't just hear it from me. You don't just hear it from whoever else. You can hear God's voice for yourself. And lastly, once we hear his voice, what he's asking us to do, then we follow him wherever he leads us. That's our vision. Know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. So today I want to continue a conversation we had from last week. Um, how many of y'all were tuned, that tuned in last week to our service? And I talked a little bit about what's going on in our culture. So I want to pray real quick and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and ears to understand what he's wanting to say to us. I guarantee you, God wants to speak to you about what's been going on in our world. And I, I really believe he wants to give you maybe not a different perspective, but he wants to add to your perspective. Is that okay? Do you believe God maybe wants to add to your perspective about what's going on? Hopefully, because uh, if we don't believe that, then we don't need God. God is continually wanting us to grow. So we're going to pray. We're going to give God our minds. We're going to give him our hearts, give him our ears, and ask him to speak to us this morning. So if you just bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I'm just so thankful to see faces in these, in these seats. Father, thank you so much. I just thank you for bringing people in, God. You are defeating this virus. You're defeating, more importantly, the fear that people are feeling, God. I pray that you just continue to finish that work, God, that you can completely eradicate this, this virus and all other viruses and, and diseases that would want, would want to come against our bodies. And Father, this morning, we just give you our hearts. We'll give you our eyes. I want you just to repeat this after me. Would you say, dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my ear. Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in a series called Expanding the Kingdom, and we kicked this off about two weeks ago because we were, we were planning to go to two services, and so this is a big series talking about how not only we can expand spiritually the kingdom of God, but also expand physically the kingdom with more services and volunteer opportunities. Now, real quickly, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, my definition is this, the kingdom of God is God's reality. So it's Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about how much money you have in your bank account, it's not about how much God blesses you, even though God does want to bless you, it's not about what's going right in your life. The kingdom of God is about righteous living and its fruits, which is peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you can go, you can be in any situation, doesn't matter what you're going through, doesn't matter whether you have a ton of money in your bank account, if you have no money in your bank account, doesn't matter if you're sick, if you're well, whatever season you find yourself in this morning, you can experience the kingdom of God, which is peace and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit. Look at people in, in third world countries. They have way less than any of us in here. Any of us. doesn't matter where you're at. And yet many of them have peace and joy. That is the kingdom of God. And God and Jesus came to, uh, this is what kingdom church is about. It's about knowing Jesus 
hearing what he wants to say to us, following him. You know the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they didn't have anything to their name. But yet every need they had was always met. Every need. This is what Jesus wants to do. doesn't matter where we're at. We can experience peace and joy. Unfortunately, some things have happened the past few weeks uh, that I really believe we need to talk about. I think that many people don't listen, want to go to church because maybe the church they go to or the church they went to growing up wasn't relevant. They didn't speak about any issues that they were dealing with. And they thought, man, they're the, the pastor's not talking about this. The pastor's not doing, they're not, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about racism. We don't talk about gender inequality. We don't talk about voting. We don't talk about anything. The world needs a relevant Jesus, and we have to present him to them. So I think it's really important that we talk about some of the issues that have been going on. And I believe that God wants to show us how, a way that we can expand the kingdom in these specific issues. Now, what happened a couple weeks ago? George Floyd was killed, and he was murdered. The, uh, I believe he was murdered, and it was wrong. Then what happened from there? We'll get back to that. Then, then protests broke out. Then what happened? Riots broke out, and then everything in between. How many of you all have had discussions with family members and friends, and maybe not so friendly discussions about these events with friends and family? Right? This past week, my heart has been really, really grieved because I've seen so much division not just in the world. Not, forget red versus blue. Forget about this state versus that state. I've seen a lot of division in the body of Christ. How many of you all have seen that? It's sad because if there's one group of people that should be united, it should be the church. And we're, we haven't been united. So my heart has really been grieved about how to respond to this. I really, honestly, I don't take this position lightly. I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, and it's my job, and it's really your job as well. It's my job to share Jesus with people. We're his hands, we're his feet. And so my heart has really been grieved this past week about how to respond to this. And I was watching a video yesterday about this pastor was talking about it, and it made me think this topic is so polarizing that people are not seeing the middle ground. Did you know there's a middle ground somewhere in the middle of all these discussions, in the middle of all these arguments? There is a middle ground, and, I, and I, I'm guilty of this. I'm going to share a little bit of that in just a second, but I went to one side, and I was like, no, it has to be this way, and I just missed the middle ground, but I believe there is a middle ground. And so I, I want to just briefly share a few truths that we need to understand. This is kind of the, the, this is not the title, but basically the topic of the message what is the church's response? How do we expand the kingdom of God in the middle of so much pain? We've got to understand a couple of truths. Number one, racism is real. We cannot deny that. Racism is real. Forget about in America. Go to other countries. I, I, I've learned a lot from my sister and Isaac as they've talked about things in the Middle East. Did you know that there are Muslims in the Middle East who hate one another as much as they hate Jews or how much they hate anyone else. There's a heavy racism all over the world, even among people that have the same color skin. So there's racism everywhere. Here's a definition of racism. A belief, racism is a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. How many of y'all understood that? <laughs> I had to read it a couple of times. I'm going to paraphrase. Racism is believing that certain people are born with certain character traits that make them better than another person. Maybe another person who has a different color skin or were born in different countries and this or that. 
Simply, racism is wrong and it is evil. I don't think anyone in here would disagree with that. Racism is wrong and it is evil. Let me read you a few verses. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus, uh, uh, Paul says, everyone has sinned. In God's eyes, you're either, you're a, if you're a human, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. So in that sense, God doesn't look at skin tone. He doesn't look at where you were born. He says, everyone has sinned, therefore everyone needs Jesus. So we could, if we don't have Jesus, we could be fighting all these different, uh, different people who have different ideas about whether they're superior or not. We can say, oh, I'm superior, they're not, whatever. We can have all that. But if we have Jesus, we're going to hell at the end of the day. So what does it matter? In God's eyes, we're all sinners. Romans 10, verse 12, Paul says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Talking about people who hate each other. Jews hated certain people in the Old Testament while they were still a nation. They, they hated Samaritans. They hated the Romans because they were, had this power over them. They hated Greeks for the same reason. The Greeks hated them. There was a lot of racism during that time. But look at what Paul says. In God's eyes, he doesn't make a distinction whether you're Jew, Greek, Roman, whatever. In God's eyes, they're all the same. Look at Acts 17, verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. God took one man, Adam and Eve, and, and he created entire nations, entire tribes from one man. We may be different colors on the outside, but in God's eyes, and this is, uh, this is all true, we have red blood. We all have the same color blood. He took from one blood. And I, I, this was interesting. I was listening to Pastor Robert talk about this the other day. And he says, um, this talking, I don't have this in my notes, but uh, he was saying how Adam and Eve probably had brown skin because it's, it's easier to get white skin and dark skin from brown skin. So Adam and Eve weren't white. They weren't black. They were probably brown because that makes sense genetically. So we had to, and Jesus was brown. Jesus wasn't a white man either. He was a Jew. A Jew. And if you go to the Middle East and go to Israel, Jews are, are darker. And so we have to, we had to, and I'm going to get to an, another issue, we had to be, begin to deal with some of these thoughts we have created, or maybe the devil has put in our heads about what we believe about ourselves and believe about other people. Racism, racism is pure self-righteousness. Racism is saying, hey, I'm better than somebody else. It's self-righteousness. And, and, and you know who is self-righteous in the Bible? Pharisees. You know who put Jesus on the cross? Self-righteous people. Racism is self-righteousness. Racism violates the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, if some people are better than others, then maybe some people don't deserve to hear the Great Commission. Racism violates the Great Commandment. There are two commandments that Jesus said, Matthew 26, Matthew 22. He says there are two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if some people are better than others, then does that mean we don't have to love certain people? It violates the great commandment. Now, I believe most of us don't deal with racism. I think maybe some of us have, or maybe more than I think. I don't know. I haven't really dealt with racism. Maybe prejudice a little bit, but not racism. We don't deal with uh, racism so much, maybe. But I think one thing we all deal with, and I said it, is prejudice. There's a difference. I'm going to give you the definition for prejudice. This is what it means. It is a preconceived, preconceived opinion that is not based on reason 
or actual experience. I'm going to read it again. A preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. This is my definition. To be prejudiced is to make assumptions about a group of people, a person or groups of people, based on um, what we have seen from other people like them. What was the example I said earlier? There was one I said earlier. This was in my notes. Um, but, um, oh, there is this uh, stigma that old people don't know how to drive, right? Maybe it's because they can't see. I don't know. There's some other stigmas. Uh, I don't know if I wanted to say some of these, but um, there's this stigma white people can't dance, right? Why? Because we've seen other white people and most of them don't know how to dance. Is that true? I don't know. Um, there's stigmas about types of food that we eat, right? Um, because of what we've seen. That's an example of a lighthearted prejudice. Well, they do this because I've seen other people do that. Here's a real example, a real example based on the past few weeks. Now, how many of y'all seen the riots happen? I don't think anyone would agree that that's okay. I don't think anyone would agree with that, especially if that's your business. But I believe some people have said this, and I think I've read a little bit, but I know some people have said this. They would say, what that officer did was horrible. It's horrible. But... That's an example of why police officers are hard on people like that because they've had to deal with that situation over and over again because of a certain type of person who commits a certain type of crime. That is a prejudice. Is that okay to say that? There are bad people everywhere. Was that caught? And I had a good conversation with um, Scott Gherkin, who's one of our elders. He was saying how he had a, um, he had a, um, he has a friend who's a police officer and works, you know, inner city, inner city things and sees just very hard situations all the time. Let me just say, in this day and age, it's almost impossible to be a police officer. Doesn't mean they're all good. I believe what this guy did was wrong. But one thing he highlighted, Scott highlighted to me was this. He said, that's why you have to guard your heart. Who knows whether this guy was in that same situation for the hundredth time, and he said, and he said, this time I'm sick and tired of dealing with this. I just don't care right now. And look what happened. Killed somebody. That's why we all have to guard our heart and not allow our heart to go a certain direction, because all of us are capable of a lot of things. Police officers have a lot of authority, but they also have a lot of responsibility, and we've seen that. I want you to listen to the statement very carefully, and it's gonna be on the screen. This is all of us. This has to be the church. We must work hard to not make assumptions about people based on what we've seen from other people who look like them. We have to work very hard. We all have prejudice. I have prejudice. I've had to deal with some of the prejudice in my heart during this whole situation and say, well, not all people are like this. How can God's word help us? Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Talking about love. This is a love chapter. It says, love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, love believes all things, looking for the best in each one. We're going to come back to that. Love hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. We're all called to love people. We talked about that earlier. What is one characteristic of love? It believes the best about people. Unfortunately, we are coming to a lot of our conclusions because we're not thinking the best about people. Those that in the African-American community, not all of them, but a lot of them are not thinking the best about police officers. Those on that side are not thinking the best about them and, and everyone else in between. Love believes the best about people. 
I was talking with, um, with a friend uh, last week, and I grew up in a very, a very good family, and, and I didn't realize this, but I, I believe my parents raised me and my siblings to think the best about people. I remember, um, I guess I'll share this. I remember when I, when I was married um, that I wasn't perfect. There were a lot of things I wasn't perfect about. But I remember one time my, my ex was not honest with me about something. And for the life of me, I could not believe how someone I love could lie to me because no one ever lied to me. You know, I grew up in this, in this, in this world where I believed the best about people, and I had to learn a hard way. And I, I could have avoided this. There was a lot of ways I could have avoided this, but I had to learn that um, sometimes people disappoint you, so I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to believe the best about people, or am I going to begin to see the negative things in people? Well, what do we just read in 1 Corinthians 13? Love believes the best about people, always, 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 always. So when we find ourselves in situations that make us, let's get real, our prejudice feel a little uncomfortable, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is this based on maybe what I've seen? And, and on top of that, is this what love would do? doesn't mean you just do, you just trust everyone. We have to use wisdom. But we have to begin to change our mind about how we see these things. Let's believe the best about people. Let's begin to lay down our lives for people. At the end of the day, this is what we're called to do. Number two, the hurt is real. This is something I learned that I've really, um, I think, learned and uh, maybe realized, that's the better word, realized more during the season. Uh, the black community is hurt. And I don't think it's just hurt based on what they have experienced. I think it's hurt from their parents, from their grandparents, it's generational hurt. Even the walls can't. <laughs> the walls can't. Um, <laughs> you okay? Okay. Everybody's okay. I think, um, did you know that hurt is spiritual? It's not just, did you know you can carry hurt from your family members? It's possible to do that. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing protests, and in case we're seeing riots, listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. This is, and this is, I think this is a good message, especially for conservative West Texas. If we're going to make progress towards equality and unity, we have to understand the hurt. Dr. Caroline Leaf says this, hurt must be heard before it can be healed. Hurt must be heard before it can be healed. I'm going to be honest. Be honest, right? Can I be honest with you? I have had very mixed feelings about these protests. Very mixed feelings. And I think I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of jump ahead to the, the third point, the third truth. And it's, but it's because I believe that if we're not careful, um, we're, we're not telling everything that people need to hear. We're not saying everything that people need to hear. Um, as Christians, we're called to carry our cross. We're called to go through some things. Trust me, if anybody has been through something, I've been through something in the past few years, along with my family and other people. We've been through some things, but I've learned, I've had to learn to forgive and trust that God is going to pay me back. Whenever, in this time or when we get to heaven. So that, I'm just gonna be honest, that was kind of how I, I was kind of processing things. I just, I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it, but we're called to this, we're called to this. But I realized something. In a relationship, let's say, and I picked on husbands and wives in the last sermon, so I'm going to pick you on y'all again. Wives, when your husband hurts you for the 10th time by 
saying something to you that he shouldn't say, or maybe it's simply a state, not taking out the trash or not cleaning the house. What do you do after a while? You voice your concern, right? I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Unfortunately, I think these protests, in a way, have had to happen so as to get our attention. Now, I don't agree with the writing, I don't believe, but I think, for me personally, I didn't realize how much hurt the African-American community had experienced until they started speaking up. Right? Going back to that, that analogy, unfortunately that has happened and I, I've come around and I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't know what my role is to play, but I know I le- need to listen. So going back to the husband and wife, what happens when one member is offended? Let's say the wife is offended and hurt. She first communicates to her. How can the husband know to change anything unless she communicates? Is that right? If you keep your mouth, and I would encourage you, don't bottle it up and then explode on your spouse. That's not healthy either. Communicate it. The first person, the wife, communicates to her. Then, then what happens? The second person, the husband, should listen and then ask for forgiveness. Now that they're still this in for the spouses, even if it's not completely true. Just, just ask for forgiveness and ask the Lord to show you what that means later. Like, I don't even know what I said sorry for, but I'm sorry. The husband in this, in this, uh, in this scenario should ask, should listen, listen, right? How many wives, how, how does it, how does it work for you when he just says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he doesn't even listen to what you're saying. It does nothing. It does nothing. You have to listen because there's hurt, forgiveness. Then we go back to the spouse. What the, should the spouse, if the husband does all those things the right way, what should the husband do? Or the wife do, sorry. Forgive. She has a choice. Is she going to hold onto that hurt and resentment no matter what it is? Or is she going to choose to forgive? Okay, ideally the first person, the wife forgives. And then, listen, both people talk about how they can communicate better and work better together. Is that true? I believe this is an example of what needs to happen. And then I want to add this. Both sides, how do, I want to make sure I say this right. Both sides don't hold a grudge and ask for more. The relationship will not work. Because if you're holding a grudge, or if you're still holding on to this thing you really haven't forgiven, then how can the relationship begin to get better? It can't begin to get better. Church, if we're going to see healing in our nation, let's start in the church. If we're going to see healing among different nationalities and races, we have to begin to hear their hurts, ask for forgiveness, and work together. Is that pretty clear? I'm going to throw these verses in real quick. 1 John 3, 16. But if any, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John is saying, hey, don't just say you're going to make a difference. Just don't say you're, going to, you want, you're for these things. Do something about it. And I'm just going to leave this point right here. I don't know, honestly, what my role is, except right now just to preach about it. But you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is my role to play in bringing justice to our brothers and sisters? It doesn't matter what, what the color of their skin is and how, and how can I teach and, 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 and um, exemplify forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Okay. I'll amend myself. That's Okay. Last week when I began talking about this, I want to share the other part of this. I think it begins with understanding that racism is real, prejudice is real. I think we then begin to talk and ask for forgiveness, but then I think it needs to move to this. 
One of the things that I was hearing on social media that really, this is what began to bother me, is I saw a lot of pastors, leaders talking about justice, justice, this, and, and I thought, that's right, that's right, but look at Jesus. And I think that if we're not careful, leaders are saying justice, 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 and stopping with that. The problem with that is that justice solves a few things, but it doesn't solve the most important things. How many of y'all have heard that saying, no justice, no peace? How many of y'all, don't you have to raise your hand, said no justice, no peace? You've heard that or seen it. I'm going to be honest. I don't completely agree with that. I don't agree with it. I'm going to talk about Jesus in just a second, but I'm going to give you this analogy. The family member, the, the mom and dad who has lost a loved one, maybe a, a son or daughter to injustice because they were, you know, whatever, killed, murdered, taken advantage of, drunk driver, whatever. Let's say the person who caused the injustice gets the book completely thrown at them and they're locked away or whatever forever. Does that take away the hurt? Does that take away the pain? It doesn't. It may bring a sense of relief in a certain way, but it doesn't address the most important things. And I, wanna, I just want to say this. Justice doesn't bring peace. Forgiveness brings peace. Justice doesn't bring healing. Forgiveness brings healing. This is truth number three. Forgiveness brings healing and peace. Look what Jesus said in John 14, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then he, 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 he um, explains it a little bit more. He says, I'm giving it to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know what the world's definition of peace is? Making sure those officers go away forever. That may solve a few things, but that doesn't solve the hurt and pain in, in George Floyd's parents' hearts, right? And his, his family. Jesus said, I've come to bring you my peace. That looks very different than the world's peace. Not as the world gives. Do, do we talk about injustices? Yes, we do. Do we advocate for change? Yes. But if the church only focuses on justice, we are robbing people of peace and healing. Because forgiveness alone brings peace and healing. I've, 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 the Lord has dealt with me a lot about this. We talk about that. I, I, I think I'm beginning to understand these protests a little bit more. We have to talk. We have to bring awareness. But if we stop there, then we're really not giving people what they really need, which is healing and peace. Did you know at the most critical moment, the most crucial moment in the world's history, Jesus had a decision to make. When he was on the cross, the people who put him on the cross, who yelled, crucify him, crucify him, were the same people who sang his praises a week earlier. You see how quickly people can turn on you? Really quick. And Jesus had to make a decision. Was he going to call down, while he was hanging on the cross, was he going to call down justice from heaven or was he going to forgive them? What did he do? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you realize our healing was purchased by forgiveness in the middle of injustice? You see, I believe we talk about injustice, I think, and I, and I thought about that, the, uh, my, I gave this analogy earlier, I thought about our church. If, they, if I saw things were not being done fairly from one ministry to another on the worship team or whatever, would I say something? Yes, I would. And so we talk about these things. But we don't, we don't use swords. We don't do more than we should be doing. 
we entrust ourselves to someone, the, our Father, who will judge justly. Some things will not be made right until we get to heaven. Some people who have hurt you, some people who have taken advantage of you, taken things from you, God may not deal with that situation in whatever way he wants until we get to heaven. But we, you know what? He can give us in return when we give those things to him. He can give us peace and joy to where we say, hey, it doesn't even matter anymore. Actually, Father, please forgive them. They, don't, they really didn't understand what they were doing. You know what people are really looking for? I'm going to end with this. You know what people are really looking for? They're looking for someone to have their back. Looking for someone to take care of them, to, watch, to, to look out for their needs. This is something that I really treasure about my best friends. They have my back. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've, I've, especially this past, this past couple years, I've had to really just really evaluate the place I've put people in my life and, and say, you know what, am I going to have God at that, at that place of, of provision, that place of hearing me, watching for me, having my back? Church, for you guys that are hurting, and I, I don't know how much of this sermon if, has uh, directly affected you as far as the specific issues, but if that's you, God sees you. God sees you. There have been many moments where I've, I've just had to just get to, get to rock bottom and say, you know what? God sees me. My family may not see me. My friends may not see me. No one may see what's going on, but God, you see me. We have a, this is the truth, we have a lot of orphans in our country running around they, you know how they're orphans? Because they, don't, they think they have to take care of themselves. And that's why they're raising their voice and doing all these things. At the end of the day, we have an advocate with the Father. You know, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, taking care of, for us, taking care of us, saying, Father, hey, take care of them. Hey, Father, watch out for them. Hey, Father, you see the need they have? Jesus is continually doing that. When you know you have somebody doing that for you, what do you have to fight for? What do you have to cry justice for? Nothing. Doesn't mean we don't do it, but if, if, if we don't get justice on this side of heaven, we know that God sees us. What is the church's response? Understand racism is real. Number two, understand that hurt is real. And we, we as the church need to be the hands and feet of Jesus and help alleviate that hurt. And also understand, number three, that forgiveness brings healing and peace.